Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. We've been in a legacy series. You say, legacy? What are you talking about? I love our legacy series, and here's why. Legacy gives us an opportunity. Thank you, Andrew. Legacy gives us an opportunity to uh, reorient ourselves. We get running, we get going, we get doing all the things that we're doing, and this series every year gives me an opportunity to stop and pause and think, where are we headed Why are we doing the things that we're doing? What has God called us to do? And where is he putting us um, and directing us for? And I love that. Listen, our goal is not to build the church. Our goal is to be the church. Big difference. Big difference. If if you came to a place this morning and you said, I want to go and see a bunch of people who want to build a really great church, I'm sorry, you're probably going to be disappointed. But if you came somewhere and you said, Pastor Don, I came this morning to learn how to be a great church, you're in the right place. And that says a lot about us, and that says a lot about you, because here's what I need you to know. We go where the hurt is. We go where the needs are. Some of you are like, I I don't know about that, Pastor Don. Listen, we go public with God's word and the message of his kingdom. That's who he's called us to be. We shine light in dark places. Do we not? Okay, some of y'all, y'all going to take me a little bit, make me work uphill. I get it. We're going to speak truth in the middle of lies. That's who we are. We rise up in the presence of obstacles that we face because we are the church. We're a people in the church. And listen, here's the part I get so excited about. And once we're saved, we don't stop there. We help heal others, we help equip others, we help send others, and this legacy series reminds us that we go ourselves. And if you came here today just to hear a message, like I said, this might not be your church, but if you came here today to church to learn how to be that message that might go out in the community and make a difference in your family, then you've definitely come to the right place. Can I tell you, if you're brand new here with us today, thank you so much. I say this often, there are a lot of great churches in our area, and the fact that you would choose to worship with us, it honors us. I'm so grateful and thankful uh, for that, and I can't think of a better weekend for you to come to find out exactly who we are and what we're about. Do me a favor, look at your neighbor and say, buckle up, buckle up. Last week, we kicked off this series with some really, really important truths, and I want to share a few of them with you and recap uh, last week, week one. When we follow God, he orients our perspective forward toward the future. And we talked about how living a legacy life is the highest level of living, that sometime, or that the goal would be that after you're gone, someone, somewhere, something would be different as a result of the way you lived your life. We also talked about how God has given each of us a limited amount of time, a limited set of abilities, and a limited amount of resources. 
But God in his sovereignty has said, I can take what's limited in your life today and show you how to plant it and invest it and sow it so that it will reap benefits for you in the future and beyond. We watched a video last week about a man who planted an apple tree. What did y'all think of that video? It's powerful, so powerful. And every year, there are trees that we get to plant. We, we give above and beyond our regular giving. We go further and beyond our normal serving in moments like this, during this series, to help tackle those needs, those ministry projects that exist beyond us. And my favorite part of that entire video was when Papa Winston looked at Lauren and he said, I didn't plant this tree for me. I didn't plant this tree for me. You say, Pastor Don, what are you talking about? The things that we do here, the things that we accomplish, the ministry projects that we orient ourselves toward, we don't do those for us. And that's why I love this series, because it gets our mind off of us. Y'all remember the big projects we're tackling this year? Moving forward, let's look at them again. Legacy 2022. Look at this. Our next church campus will launch in 2023. That's a big deal. That's a huge deal. We're going to be launching a fully accredited Our Savior's College of Ministry so that we can make sure that all the future campuses are equipped with the teams and the people that they need to do that. We've got some brand new statewide foster care initiatives that I'm excited to roll out uh, to us as well, as well as increasing our addiction recovery efforts across Acadia. And I told you last week, you have helped over 200 families struggling with the repercussions of addiction find hope, find healing, and you have placed over 50 individuals, male and female, into long-term care so they can overcome the addictions that, that, that they're facing in their life. And you did that to them at no cost to them. God is good, and I'm so grateful. And then also, our last but not least big project, we're going to be making the biggest splash, if you will, toward unplanned pregnancies in Iberia Parish, and I'm super excited um, about what that is. And today, I want to take the rest of our time that we have together, and I want to show you an attribute of the way that God builds. And if we can get this fully, it will forever change the way that we build and it will ever change our perspective on legacy. Y'all with me? All right, title today, if you're taking notes, God builds generationally. God builds generationally. And here's what I need you to know. What God does in one generation, he wants to continue in the next Let's continue in the next. What God wants to do in your generation, he's already begun in the generation before you. It's not brand new things now. It's a continuation of this. And God uses the strengths of each generation in order to bring his will and his plan forward. And that's important that you understand that. If you can get the fact that God builds generationally, here's what will happen. We won't be a church of just young people. We won't be a church of just old people. We won't be a church of just those in their middle years, in the middle. We'll be a church of all age ranges, building and working together. Your small group won't just be a bunch of people all the same age. Your small group will have people of different ages because you'll start to see, man, God is speaking to me through somebody younger than me, and God can speak to me through somebody older than me. God builds generationally. I'm going to show you this. 
Exodus chapter 3, verse 6. This is Moses at the burning bush. Look at how God introduced himself to Moses. Here's what he says. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And you say, why in the world would God say, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? All Jewish people were able to trace their ancestry back to Abraham. And they would go, and Moses is six generations removed from Abraham. So it's not like he said, your mom and them, right? That's how we do it in a Cajun country, right? Like, oh, you, 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 from, you, you from Doucan? Okay, which, which Abair are you a part of? And it just goes back a couple of generations. No, the Jewish history would go all the way back to Abraham. And here's what God was saying to Moses in that moment when he said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He's basically saying this, listen, what I'm about to do through you is something that I began back before you were ever born, and the impact that will have will go beyond you into future generations. And the same God that introduced himself to Moses at that burning bush is the same one that I hope introduces himself to you in this service, because I want you to know that what God wants to do in your life, he started way back before you were ever born. And what he wants to do through your life is going to continue long after you are no longer here. God builds generationally, and legacy living is generational living. I want to give you three thoughts today, and then we'll wrap up. Three generations that are built by a legacy life. Three generations built by a legacy life, for those of you that are taking notes. Here's number one, your generation. Your generation, you must steward your current generation. Here's the question. How will you continue what God has already started? How will you continue what God has already started before you get here? Can I tell you that's why I'm so passionate about you taking next steps? Every single week we try our best to make sure that you're taking next steps, that you're taking those steps. There's a very specific set of next steps that you can take no matter where you are in your spiritual journey that will help you how to make a difference in your life. And I promise if you'll let us, we'll help you do that. We do that every single month, and it's the first Sunday of every month is our next steps class. If you haven't done that, you're missing something that will help you continue to grow. Last week, I showed you how legacy living in your current generation involves us being intentional with our giving and intentional with our serving and intentional with our leading. I want to show you this passage in Titus. This is 3.14. This is the Apostle Paul. Here's what he says. He says, our people must also learn to engage in good deeds and meet pressing needs so that they will not be unfruitful. It's intentional. It's intentional. Here's my challenge for you. If you'll give me six months, just give me six months, show up every time the doors are open, go to every class we put in front of you, join every group we give you an opportunity to say, you will see fruit build in your life and you'll be able to see how those connections are made and how God wants to continue to use that. I promise you, your life will start to bear fruit. I can't help you if you're only here on Sunday morning sitting in the pew and you walk in and smile real pretty at me, which I love, but when we say amen and I dismiss you and you leave, if that's the only thing you're doing to grow and develop spiritually, listen, you're not going to bear fruit by osmosis. 
You're not. You're going to bear fruit by putting your hands to meeting needs in our community, putting your hands to helping others continue to grow and develop. That's how fruit is born in our lives. Y'all with me today? Yeah. Here's the second thing I think you can do. Another way to steward your current generation. You need to go vote. You need to go, hold on, Pastor Don's talking about politics now. Politics in the middle of religion. I don't know about that. Listen, the enemy has done a masterful job at taking biblical truth and dividing it into political parties. He has. He has. And here's here's the biggest challenge we have in the middle of this, and this may pain you to realize this, but Scripture contains both liberal and conservative values. I got you real quiet now. You won't find a full expression of biblical values on either of our political parties. Now, Fox News won't tell you that. CNN won't tell you that. Our news feed won't tell you that. But I need you to understand that if if you can grasp how God builds, you'll start to see this. This week I went and renewed my driver's license and I re-registered to vote and all of those things and I, I saw the list, it's gotten longer. I don't know if you've seen the list of all the political parties you can be affiliated with. You can check the box for Democrat, you can check the box for Republican, you can check the box for Independent, you can check the box for Other, I thought that was interesting. You can also check the box for no party whatsoever. And it's crazy, I didn't see, I I thought of among all the options, I would see a kingdom option that I could register. Because the last time I checked, that's the party that I belong to. It's the kingdom party in the middle of doing this. What are you saying, Pastor Don? Don't you dare go vote along a single party line and and understand this, as a Christian, I represent a way of living that's generational. It sits above political affiliation. It sits above political, listen, I know it's hard. You gotta go and do your research and you gotta find out who these people are and what they're doing. You gotta do some digging, but most Christians continue this party nonsense one of two ways. Either they take the easy route and they pick a box and whatever that box is, they vote all the way down the line. Or worse, they don't do anything at all and they don't vote at all. Can I tell you the enemy's done a masterful job, Christian, of dividing us among political parties. There are biblical representations of God and his plan for mankind on both sides of the party aisle. If you disagree with me, let's have a Bible study. I'll help you. It's on both sides. Why do you think we argue and fight? Because there's real biblical representation on both sides. And it's hard, but understand this. The real division is not Democrat and Republican. The real division is secular and Christian. And if us Christians won't get out and vote, then what voice gets to shape the future for us? Is it a Christian voice? No, it's a secular voice in the middle of that. Y'all tired of me stepping on your toes for a little bit? Go vote. Go vote. Go vote. Open your Bible. Do some digging. There's a plethora of resources out there that'll let you know what is happening and who people 
are and what they, what they believe. All right, first one. Three generations you have to address if you're going to live a legacy life. The first one we talked about is your generation. Here's the next one. Simply put, it's the next generation. If you want to live a legacy life, you have to invest in the next generation. This type of legacy living doesn't just look at today and look at our lives. It looks at what's happening tomorrow. It's the, I didn't plant this tree for me. Can I tell you what God has started in you, what God has done in you, cannot die with you. It must live on. It must be passed to the next generation. Let's look at this in Scripture. This is Psalm 78. Verse three through seven says, the things that we've heard and known that our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them. The children yet unborn and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandment. And the current generation will fail to live a legacy if what God has asked of them already isn't communicated to and carried by the next generation. We are responsible for making sure that what God has started in us gets all the way. You see this with your kids, and you're like, let me tell you a story, son. Dad, you've told me already. Listen, about the time he gets tired, I get tired of saying it is the time he starts to hear it. That's how this works. The enemies of our faith have known the importance of investing in the next generation for a very, very, very long time. You see this in Scripture. Remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Daniel? Nebuchadnezzar, a Babylonian uh, ruler, came and conquered this people, and he took the best and the brightest among their youth, and he brought them back to Babylon. And there, he he not only took them uh, captive, he fed them, he cared for them, he educated them, and he indoctrinated them into their culture, because he knew if I could invest in the next generation, I can set the course for where this country is going to go in the future. And let me tell you, there's somebody else in our past that has done that very same thing. Look at this quote from Hitler, who understood the importance of reaching the next generation. Look at this. These boys and girls enter our organizations at 10 years of age and often for the first time get a little fresh air. After four years at the young folk, they go on to the Hitler Youth where we have them for another four years. And even if they are still not complete national socialists, they go to labor service and are smoothed out there for another six, seven months. And whatever class consciousness or social status might still be left, the Wehrmacht, the German Armed Forces, will take care of that. Adolf Hitler, 1938, knew the importance. If you want to steer the course of a nation, you should invest in the next generation. Can I tell you, church, if we're not investing in the next generation, somebody else will. Somebody else will. Absolutely. I'm super thankful of pastors like Pop Neal and, and, and Paul Neal and Pastor Jacob Aranza who, who led the roots of this congregation into what it is today. And, and I love the fact that our church is now old enough that we can start to see second generation and third generation from within this own house step up and do that. You'll often hear us talk about the orange chairs. 
And for us, the orange chair started way back when our Savior's Church first started down in Broussard, almost in Cade. Um, and it's very similar to stories I hear of the church on Lewis Street, right? Back before this building ever existed. And you wondered, could God do something? Could we plant a bunch of churches? Could we reach a community? Could we go out and in any area in Acadiana, somebody's going to know who our Savior's church is and what God is doing in the middle of that? These orange chair moments, this church on Lewis Street, it's a marker. It's an anchor to the way things began, and it's an indicator of the direction that God has set for us to continue to build generationally. We knew this opportunity was coming to help you invest in the next generation, and we were so proud of some of the things that we've seen happen generation to generation. We captured some of our young people that have been in our church since they were little, and we said, hey, what would it look like for you to tell the story of what God has continued to do. Show this, let me show this video to you. Watch this for a second. An orange chair, a symbol of sacrifice. It's a reminder of who we are and where we've been. A sign pointing the way from generation to generation. So many it's a memories. Million years old. It it is. I think I've sat in this before. This exact one feels like me. What's your name wow. on it? Yep. It's the actual chair. It is. Wow. Our, our Harvest Fest we did out here. Yeah. Like classic, classic Harvest Fest so memories. What did you dress up as? I dressed. I dressed. I had a couple things. One, I dressed up as a hundred churches. <laughs> I remember that. that you won the competition. The I won the competition. And it, true story. This scarred me. I won the competition, but they didn't give me the bike because I was a pastor's kid. Yeah. I, <laughs> and else. you know what? At that moment. I said, I'm hurt. But at Harvest Fest, I remember that was the first time I saw and heard about Don Mendoza and what had happened with him when he had his uh, wheelchair and stood up and said, this is what God's done for me. Wow. In light of his story, it was amazing. That's wild. One of the things I remember is every single Sunday, yep. we're planting a hundred churches. And it's funny because you press play and you look now, 2022, mm-hmm. and you actually see, I think his heart was less about the churches and more about the people. Yeah. And I think he probably looked out and saw a hundred people saying, we're going to have a hundred of these, but you actually look out now and see thousands and thousands right. and thousands of life change. I remember learning about the power of the Holy Spirit in this room yeah. and feeling called to missions in this place mm-hmm. and going, my identity and who I was, it wasn't just for my mom and dad. Mm-hmm. It was also for me to pick up that baton mm-hmm. so and run as well going, what an honor it is that we get to live beyond ourselves. I think the thing I'm looking forward to is continuing to do what we've been doing. Mm-hmm. The vision never changes. Yeah. It's just our turn to fulfill it. Yeah. And the vision's always been reaching people and building lives. When you have a burden for these people in this community, mm-hmm. it's funny. I was riding on the golf cart with my son. Every time he gets on my lap and wants to gra- grab the steering wheel, his first instinct is to yank it left. And the temptation for the next generation is always to do something new for the sake of doing new. Right. But really, the foundation of the path has been laid out before us. It's just simply our turn to continue doing what's already been done. It feels like a Elisha situation where we've watched the Elijahs. Mm-hmm. Like, we're like, your, your dad was, you've passed her, like, the best one 
preaching to clubs and now it's cool that I'm sitting in St. Margaret Junior High mm-hmm. with a hundred kids coming to a Bible club. We are a church planning church and to raise up the next generation of leaders to go out for missions and global missions and even just seeing one day young women come up into their God-given identity. I think I'm really passionate about seeing people bringing God into their workplace and into their own sphere. It takes all of us to build the body of Christ and to bring Christ into our everyday life of where we are. One thing that I hear Pastor Jacob saying all the time is tear down pride, poverty, and prejudice. And um, a a black man married to a white lady as a mixed daughter is something that I really, really, like God has placed on my heart as something to really tackle. And I love that that's the heart of this house. When I think about those people who were in that room, um, I get very emotional thinking about it just because if I was to go back and tell all of them, every pain, every moment, every tear that you sowed was is so worth it and has given us in the future generations to come and everyone in our house right now the strength to also make that sacrifice think you won't even begin to cover it honestly i think stressing that every little thing matter what you're doing right now is the reason why i have a family this isn't about us this is about jesus this is about the the children and their children and their children and it keeps going on i would just say thank you for showing me who jesus is yeah i think i would first say thank you because the first life that's been very impacted has been mine yeah and my life has been built on the sacrifice right. of these people yeah. wouldn't be here my wife my family yeah. what we're building wouldn't be here without them you know when you sow eternal seeds the harvest is always so much bigger than you would ever imagine <laughs> yeah. so much bigger than you'd ever imagine yeah and that's what i think i think of the people that gave and listened yeah. to a vision when we had a hundred people right. inside of an old honky tonk yeah <laughs> that probably, didn't make sense. <laughs> probably thinking you are crazy yeah and then to be able to see, wow, look at what God did. Yeah. Now it's our turn and we're carrying right. the baton. Absolutely. And we're doing the same thing. Absolutely. And there comes that moment where you do it because it's the path that's laid out before you. But then there comes the moment where you do it because it's the burden that you have. Right. And you see, we serve a generational God, the God of yeah. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it's so cool to see now it's our turn. When he said, my life was built on the sacrifices of others. Man. Can I just take a minute for just a second? And I want, you to, I want to bring to your focus the fact that the vast majority of us in here right now are sitting in a pew that you didn't pay for, in a building that you didn't see before it was nothing. And yet, the sacrifices for some of the people that are in this room right now. They saw you before you were here. They saw a place where you could come and bring your kids and drop them off at a nursery or at a kid's building so you could go and raise your hands and worship God. They saw a place where you could be free. They saw a place where the things that held you captive 
would fall off of you. And you need this, not me. You need a moment to just thank God and thank them and thank the people who have sacrificed before you, before you were ever here. Can I give you just a moment to do that? Can we just do that together? I want us to thank those who went before us and made sure we have a place here that we can worship today. Let's do it with applause and with your voice. Thank you. Thank you. And I think the thing that impressed me the most about that is watching this younger generation look up and and they get it. Like, they get it. Nothing would make me more proud than my kids to be able one day to look up and say, man, I remember. We showed up every single Sunday. We didn't have a choice. Our dad was the pastor. But for them to say there's no better place I would rather be than in God's house. And to hear their voices on the screen talk about how the vision that their parents had and that others that went before them had, had become their vision as well. How many of you think the future's in good hands? Yeah, it's in good hands. And I'm gonna tell you, it'll only stay that way and remain that way if the current generation continues to invest into the next generation. Next generation, that's how we do this. I'm telling you, this legacy series, it has a way of getting you to stop and and look at our resources in a different way. You may have thought the most valuable resource you have is the amount of money in your checking account. I got a newsflash for you. The most valuable resource we have is the next generation that's coming up behind us. That's why we're making a big deal about this. That's why legacy is so important. What I'm a part of is bigger than the part I play. I've just got an assignment for the few years that I'm here on this earth, but what God has started, I get to continue. What I'm continuing will last on beyond me if I'll do it in a kingdom way. We've been talking about three generations you have to address if you're going to live a legacy life. The first one is your current generation. The second one is the next generation. You just heard their voice. What about the voice you can't hear yet? Let's talk about future generations. You have to make provision for future generations. Proverbs 13, 22 says this, a good man leaves an inheritance to who? His children's children. Now, financial advisors would tell you if you can leave an inheritance to your children, you're doing a great thing, great job. But I love this verse because it reminds me that I've got to make an impact that lasts beyond just one generation. I need to go to my children's children. And if we just stopped for a second and considered this in a financial sense, look about this. It's not good enough just to give them enough money to the next generation. You've also got to give them enough understanding to know how to steward it as well as you did so that there'd be something to get through the next generation. You see that? A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. It's not just money, it's understanding, it's vision, it's this is why we're doing this, this is, this is why we don't do that. And when your kids start to repeat you, when you're not around, 
you're on the right track. How many of you believe children are a blessing? Some of you are saying, ask me tomorrow, Pastor Don. (laughs) Ask me tomorrow, Pastor Don. Kayla and I have a very, very large family. And can I tell you, I don't know anybody who has raised children to adulthood that looks back and says, man, I wish we would have had less. But I know several families, several people that have said quite the opposite. I often hear, man, I wish we would have had more. And I know there are many other families that for various reasons are unable to have multiple children or or any children at all, and I get that, but listen to me. Scripture is very clear for those who are able to have children. Psalms 127 says this, children are a blessing and a gift from the Lord. Question for you today, what kind of impact can one child have? What kind of impact can one child make on a family, on a community? on a nation, if you could rank the most influential people of all time, just think about it for a second, all time in your mind, right? People that were born, walked the earth, they would have left the the world differently than the one that they were born into. Who would be on your list? Do that mental inventory real quick. Now try to imagine how things would be had they never been born. What would be different? Honestly, you probably can't even imagine it. Can't even imagine it. I want to challenge you. Go, go home and Google the, uh, a list of the most influential humans of all time. Skip the first couple because they're loony. Right? But you're going to find some incredible opportunities. One of these, I'm not even going to quote him, such questionable character and lack of expertise. Um, wrote a book in 1970. I mean, no, anybody can write a book. Right? Um, he wrote a book on the most influential people of all times. You know, you'd be pleased to know that he had Jesus Christ in his top five. You know, um, Muhammad, Buddha, Confucius, and then I chuckled when I read Sir Isaac Newton. Shout out to Gravity. Um, you know, in, in the middle of this, but it got me thinking: What is the value of one life? How do you even begin to comprehend that? How do you begin to comprehend? That if we're going to live a legacy life, we must make provision for future generations, especially those who have yet to be born. And one of the projects that we have this year that is near and dear to my heart has specifically to do with unplanned pregnancies here in Iberia Parish. And can I tell you what's at stake when we discuss abortion? What's at stake? Future generations are at stake. And listen... I'm not trying to make a political statement. I'm trying to make a biblical one. Before you get all worked up, I need you to understand that what I'm about to tell you has been written long before the Bill of Rights. It has been written long before our Constitution, long before Roe versus Wade, and long before any political parties decided to take it up as part of their platform. This is a biblical truth that I need us to understand. And can I just step into a soapbox for a second about this whole religion getting into politics. The issue is that politics has now gotten into religion. And when society tries to tell me something that God has already defined, it's not me stepping out, it's just me stepping in to the area that God has given and God has already spoken in the middle of this. Just because politics is speaking about it doesn't mean we can't talk about it here in church. Are y'all with me so far? 
It's about definitions. Can you say that? Definitions. Listen to this. Scientifically, philosophically, even medically, the questions around abortion hinge on the definitions. Does life begin at conception? Is that a baby or a fetus? Before a heartbeat develops or after? When is pregnancy part of the woman's body or when does the unborn child have a body of their own? It's, it's definitions and we debate and we argue when we don't agree on the definitions. So how about, just for a minute, we take a minute and look at some things that have already been defined in God's word. What does God see when he looks into the womb? Psalms 139, verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. When God looks at the womb, he sees his workmanship. Psalms 139, verse 16. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. When God looks at the womb, he sees a future. Psalm 17. You fill their womb with treasure. They are satisfied with children. When God looks at the womb, he sees a treasure. Six times in Deuteronomy. God's word describes pregnancy as the fruit of the womb. Fruit of the womb. Psalm 127. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. When God looks at the womb, he sees a reward. You say, Pastor Don... How can you say that this pregnancy is a reward? You don't know what happened to me. You don't know the situation I was in. You don't know the things that I faced and that I I struggled. I need you to listen very carefully to me. One of the hardest things to comprehend about God's sovereignty is the fact that we remember the past, we experience the present, but we can't see the future. We remember the past, we experience the present, but we can't see the future. Can I tell you that the sovereign God of all creation sees past, present, and future simultaneously? There's not a difference to him. Okay, now watch this. The God we serve transcends all three, and that child may not look like a reward or feel like a reward today, but God's word says that one day they will. It's a reward. God sees a treasure. God sees fruit. God sees a reward. And I saw this for the first time in scripture just this week. God sees a nation. Abraham and Sarah promised descendants and as numerous as the seashore, but they are barren and without a son. And through God's miraculous provision, Isaac was born. Look at Genesis 25. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. 
The children struggled together within her, and she said, if it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, look at this, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Did you catch that? God could have said there are two babies in your womb. He could have said there are two fetuses in your womb. He could have said there are two children in your womb, but he didn't. He said there are two nations, and you can't build a nation in one generation. So what's at stake with every pregnancy? Quite simply, it's the course and future of entire nations. I don't remember how old I was when I discovered that I was, uh, I was the fourth, I'm the firstborn in my family, but my mom let me know I was the fourth pregnancy. And years went by and I just thought, oh, wow, wow, you know. Man, I never realized that. And so I asked my mom one day, Mom, how, can you, can you tell me about those first pregnancies and to hear her share her story of where she was what was going on the struggles the decisions things that she looked back on very fondly and things that she looked back with not quite so fond memories she said son I this This may pain you to hear, and it's hard for me to say, but I didn't, I I didn't think I was ready for you. I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't want. She was trying to say, I didn't want you. She said, but I, I realized that more support than I thought I did and she said um, talked to her about it just this week Um, she said if I'm honest with you son I tried everything I could to miscarry like the others but God had a different plan and I remember holding you in that delivery room thinking I want this I want you she said I had to meet you before I knew how much I wanted you she said I'm sorry son I said don't apologize to me you're not doing anything but confirming what I know to be true in God's word God had a plan God had a promise And I'm here today, despite all the efforts you tried to have in your weakness and in your moment of hurt and in your moment of fear and insecurity. And when we talk about unplanned pregnancies, I know it's hard. I know it's complicated. I know it's messy. But I also know God's word. And I know God's truth. And I know firsthand the power that exists in the future and how God can redeem anything 
and he can change anything and he can show you. We remember the past. We experience the present. We can't see the future. But the God we serve transcends all of that and sees all of that together. That's why our partnership with the Unplanned Pregnancy Center right here in Iberia Parish is so important. Number one, did you even know we had an Unplanned Pregnancy Center here in New Iberia? Let me dispel some myths going around. The overturn of Roe versus Wade hasn't made them obsolete. If anything, it's made them more necessary. They're not an abortion clinic. Their services are completely free to their clients, and they don't just serve young mothers before their babies are born. They walk with them after they're born. Where does a young mother go? Where does a young woman go when she finds out that she's pregnant? It wasn't expected. There was no plan. Where does she go? Who does she talk to? How can, how can she understand the options that are available to them? I'm so proud of the work that they do there. They listen, they educate, they counsel. They provide ultrasounds to be able to hear the baby's heartbeat. They provide prenatal care, as well as provide access to diapers and clothes and car seats and baby beds, etc. All with the goal of helping a young mom discover the importance of that little nation changer that's growing inside of her. And when I knew we had an opportunity to make a big difference here locally, and I sat down with them and I said, what do you need? How can we help? I was amazed at some of the things. I, I would have expected them to say, we, 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 we could use money. I would have expected them to say, we could use advertisement. And here's what they said. Their greatest needs, these are the people on the front lines helping. Greatest need, community understanding. That our community would know what we're trying to do. Access, Pastor Don. We need access to these young mothers. We don't know how to find them. We, don't, we know they're there, but we, how, do we, how, do we, how do we get there? And then we need a way to be able to continue providing these resources and this education to these mamas that we're doing for free. I remember when Pastor Sean and I were sitting across the table from Jennifer, the director over there, and we looked at her and we said, I think we can help. I think we can help. And very specifically, here's what we're going to do this year to make an impact with unplanned pregnancies. We're going to put on a party. We're going to put on a gala, call it a banquet, call it whatever you want. But there are some people that have been in the front lines of this God-ordained ministry, and we're going to celebrate them. And we've got some relationships with some very influential people all throughout our community, and we're going to connect the dots, and we're going to build them relationship, and we're going to help them raise dollars at that event to help secure this very necessary ministry in New Iberia. We're going to show up, and we're going to serve, and we're going to provide everything for them to be able to do this so they can continue to do what God has called them to do. Is that something that gets you as excited as it gets me fired up? That's who we are. That's, that's who you are. It's, it's, I didn't plant this tree for me. And I'm so grateful for you. 
I'm so thankful for you sitting here, listening, walking through a message like this. Can I tell you, this is not an easy conversation to have. Oh, there's a lot of other verses in the Bible that could get us a lot more fired up today than something like this, but it's so important. It's messy. It's messy. Conversations like this, are, they're intensely personal. And for some, I know it's painful. And I would never try to categorize or stereotype anybody's personal situation and what you're walking through. Your story is unique. And when it comes to the word abortion, you may not have understood, you may not have known any different. You may not have had an unplanned pregnancy center to help you navigate. You did the best that you knew how. But can I tell you something about the place you're sitting today? This is not a country club of people who are perfect and have everything together. This is a spiritual hospital for the broken and the hurting. Some of us just decide to fix our hair and put on nice clothes on Sunday. We're all broken. We're all broken. Can I tell you something about the people that you're sitting with today? Look around. Look around. Make eye contact with somebody. This room is full of me too people. You know what I'm talking about? That thing you're struggling with? Yeah, me too. That thing that you're afraid to tell anybody else about? Yeah, me too. And those who take those steps to connect find those me too moments. This room is full of people who would say, I remember who I was before Jesus kind of people. That's who you're sitting with. You're sitting with, I'm so thankful that God has healed the darkest parts of me, people. That's who you're sitting with. That's where we are in the middle of this. A God that would love us so much that he would put us in a room full of people that are more like us than we think because he loves us and he has a plan for us. I want to invite you to bow your heads because I believe God wants to use moments like this to share his truth and share his people with you. It's God who forgives but he's brought you to a church family like this so you can be healed, restored, and set in motion. God wants you to live in a way that makes a difference in this current generation. God wants you to live in a way that invests in the next generation. And God wants you to live in a way that provides for the future generations to come. What God has started before you, he wants you to continue on. What God is doing in you, he wants to outlive you and last beyond you. But can I tell you, the first step is to make sure that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Pastor Don, how do I know? I'll tell you, it's as simple as ABC. A, admit. You can admit that you're a sinner, that your sin has separated you from a righteous and loving God. That apart from some divine intervention, you're unable to spend eternity with God. You are separated as a result of your sin. And then B is believe. Believe that God sent his son Jesus to pay a debt that you couldn't pay, live a life you couldn't live, to restore you in relationship with him. 
that God would send his very own son just for you. And then see, confess. Confess him as Lord and Savior, that his way is better. That his way and his thoughts are higher. And that it doesn't matter about the past, the present, or the future. Your eyes are fixed on him. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor Don, I've never raised my hand. I've never asked Jesus to be Lord of my life. But I want to today. I need his help. I need his healing. I want to invite you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I want to invite everybody here to pray this with me. Before I do, if you want to be included in that prayer, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand and raise your hand so I can know who I'm praying with today. Go ahead. Let me see those hands. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. I see your hand. All five of you, I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. In the balcony, I see your hand. I see your hand, sir. You may put your hands down. One more time before I pray. I believe the Holy Spirit is moving on our hearts. And if you want an opportunity to be included with those, lift your hand so I know who I'm praying with. One more time. Thank you, I see your hand. Thank you, up in the balcony, I see your hand. Thank you, sir, I see your hand. so grateful so grateful I never want to miss an opportunity to just be grateful and thankful that something that can be as routine as church on Sunday actually a moment when God reaches down and touches and changes. You never know when God's going to show up. You never know when God's going to show up, so I always do. I'm grateful for a church family that welcomes and loves. Church, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray with those God is tugging on their hearts to be born again. God has revealed themselves to them in a new way. And I'm going to ask every single person in here, I want you to pray this prayer. And we're going to pray in support for the decision that those are making together. Say this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin and my shame and my guilt, and you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead. Give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to follow you with all my heart, no matter what it costs me. And I declare that God is my Father. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let's celebrate with those who raise their hand.